0: Have you been told you have a gene that puts you at risk for a disease like cancer or Alzheimer's? Or maybe you're one of those people who don't wanna know if you have that gene because most likely your doctor told you there's nothing you can do. But that's not entirely true. Today we'll talk with Julie Bergfeld who does have the ApoE4 gene associated with Alzheimer's and we'll share what you can do if you have it too.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Shabnam Daskar. I'm a functional medicine doctor, a brain health coach, and certified Tiny habits
0: coach. And
1: I'm excited to have Julie on, on our podcast today.
0: I'm Andreas Firos. I'm a behavior design consultant and a speaker. I work with organizations to harness the power of high-performance habits to increase engagement, resilience, and well-being. Today we're joined by Julie Bergfeld. Julie helps midlife men and women feel younger by changing their relationship with food, movement, and mindfulness. She's a human potential coach, certified personal trainer, trainer, yoga teacher, nutritionist, and human movement specialist. And She's also been a marathon and ultra marathon runner. She's founded her own yoga studio, Metro Power Yoga, which is considered the place for athletes to chill out. So you know she's worked with some high level people. And today, Julie's here to talk about uh, something more personal about finding out that she had the Alzheimer's gene and what she's done about it. Welcome, Julie.
2: Thank you. I'm excited to share um, what I've learned and and hopefully help some other people. Excellent. So
0: let's first talk about what is the APOE4 gene associated with Alzheimer's. Shabnam?
1: So the APOE4 gene is one of the genes uh, which raise someone's risk of uh, getting Alzheimer's disease. Now, APOE4 is the four number four variation. So there are uh, one, two, two, three, and four, and two is supposed to be protective. So people can get uh, either one variation of the APOE4 or two variations and one having one of the variations can increase their risk a certain amount having both the variations can risk uh, increase their risk more than that and we get uh, people get the APOE4 from uh, their parents so either if it is one parent giving one variation it could be two parents giving two variations but the most important point is, if someone has either one or two variations of the APOE4 gene, which is the high-risk gene, it is not inevitable. So, the risk is not 100% that the person will get Alzheimer's down the line. And that is what, you know, Julie, uh, You know, we are so excited to have you here because you're going to talk about that.
0: Exactly. So, Julie, how long exactly have you been aware that you were at risk?
2: Well, I had gotten my genetic data tested quite some time ago. And about three years ago, I got more interested in learning more about my unique genes. And I did some third party after testing, if you will. And so it was about three years ago that I discovered um, much more about my genetic data. And so that's when I discovered that I had one copy of the um, APOE4 gene, and interestingly enough, my mother has the same combination that I do as well.
0: Interesting. So once you found out, what did you? What was your reaction? And then what did you do about it?
2: Well, initially, I was um, I was not pleased. <laughs> I was a bit. I was a bit, <laughs> bit devastated. Um, and I did this all on my own. So I didn't see a doctor, no, you know, genetic um, expert or anything like that. Um, and then I decided to become neutral over it and there's nothing that I could do about it and started to shift my mindset around it and welcomed the fact that I did know this and started to do research on all of the things that I could do to not develop Alzheimer's disease. And part of that research was really looking at, and then I also figured out that my mom had it as well, and looked at her life and, you know, the the lacks of memory back when she was younger than I am now, um, and what she had done. And so I was, you know, putting things together based on research I was learning. And based on um, what I had seen where I felt like she was going wrong and it's like, well, you know, and I kept reassuring myself. It's like, well, you know, she's not in some home. She's aware. She's she's not diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Yes, she has some deficits. But if I can start changing things now. So this was in my early 50s. Maybe I won't have those kinds of deficits when I'm in my 80s and 90s.
0: So what type of things did you do?
2: Well, I initially started out small. So I'm a tiny habits coach as well. Um, And I started doing things like I really, I changed my diet. Um, I started reducing lots of simple refined carbohydrates. I instituted regular, I'd been kind of spotty with fish oil. I started being more regular with my fish oil at that time. Uh, I had already been exercising, and um, so that wasn't a problem. What I did do as far as exercise goes, I incorporated more strength training and hit training, and anything to um, work more of the mind-body connection and coordination. Um, those were those were things that I added at that time. Um, and then over the years, I got a lot more regular about my meditation practice. So now it's a daily practice without fail. I also, um, shored up my sleep where I'd been relatively, um, not as diligent about getting seven to nine hours. I was getting more like six, seven hours. So I got rigorous about a set sleep schedule getting to bed within a half an hour of the same time every single night and waking up same time every single morning and really deviating more towards 8 hours per night which my body likes a lot better recently i've added in i do time restricted eating and have been doing that for a while um regular sauna use has has i've added that into the mix as well and by regular i mean maybe 3 to 5 times a week um and then also i think one of the most recent things that i've added in are um, brain games um and not sudoku or crosswords but it's a program that i use it's called brain hq and i know there are a variety of them out there but what it does is it tests you and then based on your scoring it will up level things there are a whole variety of exercises and um what i find I used to, back when I was younger, I would just do the ones that I was good at, right? (laughs) And so now it's like, (laughs) just do the ones that I was good at. And it's like, no, that one's too hard. I'm not going to do that. Now, knowing this, I challenge myself. And the ones that I'm really terrible at, those are the ones I go to first. And I do those. I'm like, oh, this is so frustrating. But it's like, no, this is good. This is good. This is good. So my whole mindset has shifted over what's difficult. And I really embrace. And this is all based on knowing that I have this gene. It's like, no, 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 no. Learning is good. Force yourself, you know, in small doses to do the things that are really challenging for your brain, because that's going to give you the best bang for your buck.
0: And that's not where you started, too. What I hear you saying is that there are a whole host of other things that you did before you got to the uh, do something that I totally is a little too hard for me, um, stretch myself type of thing. So I just want to give the message to everybody. Julie didn't start where it was very hard for her. Julie didn't start with the thing that she didn't want to do that was uh, uncomfortable and that wasn't going to make her feel super successful. She got there when she was ready to get there after she had done uh, a number of other things, too. To strengthen her mind and and body, Shabdam, what are your thoughts on Julie's approach? So, uh, th- uh, Julie, that is awesome,
1: and you mentioned uh, Brain HQ by posit Science. So, as a physician, I and I'm sure everyone does, we look for data. We look to see whether that particular test was, uh, you know, did it go through a clinical trial. So the great thing is uh, Brain H- HQ did go through clinical trials. So they did have a you know, bunch of people, but I'm sure you will know this better. I don't remember whether they had looked at it with uh, on people with APOE4, but for other people, it has actually shown measurable benefits in doing the brain games. Because as you mentioned, you know, doing just Sudoku or crossword puzzles alone will not be enough. So that is something very important you mentioned, Julie. And another thing I want to, uh, you know, talk about because Andrea and I have talked about food, uh, eating a low carbohydrate diet or even a ketogenic diet, and practicing time restricted eating. That has a huge impact. Uh, while you know the, there are a lot of studies that have been done in prevention of dementia, and we have seen a lot of positive changes. The problem is many of these studies have to be done for like 20, 30 years because Alzheimer's starts 20, 30 years before someone develops symptoms. But at the same time, if we just look at, you know, what do all these studies mean for the person, you know, who who's dealing with uh, an APOE4 gene? What are the things that we can translate from research into everyday life? Eating a low carbohydrate diet, you know, reducing sugar intake and things that become sugar like bread, pasta, rice, pizzas, all the stuff you mentioned, some of whom are not even actually food. That is one of the best things. But then again, you know, all three of us are tiny habits coaches. So Andrea, from a behavior change perspective, let us say, uh, Julie, you are not one of them. You are—you—you <laughs> you might be one of the exceptions. A lot of people who say, I don't want to change my food. So, what would you, uh, Andrea? What would you say from a behavior change perspective? What should they look at first?
0: Well, from a from a behavior change, lasting change perspective, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about starting small, but I actually don't encourage starting small. I say, don't start small. Go tiny. Right. Wow. So. Pick Go tiny. The idea of starting small is great, but it misses the mark because ultimately what happens is uh, people get chunking things down and think they have to continually raise the bar. And that's what trips them up. So if you go tiny and just pick one thing that you can do, you can get yourself to do that you think is going to have impact and do that consistently. Apply the tiny habits method. You can see our podcast episode one to learn more about that, or show notes will show you where to join. Go super tiny. So, if you want to add a vegetable, buy a vegetable and then just put one on your plate and celebrate that. And if you eat it, fantastic bonus extra credit. And keep doing that, and you will build some success momentum. It can be as tiny as that. And once you gain design for consistency, You can move on to, Julie described it beautifully, where she ended up doing something that was a little hard for her, but actually enjoying it. So let's talk a little bit more about the the mental part, because it can be really, really daunting to receive a diagnosis. And it can be very, you can very easily get overwhelmed or feel defeated. What do you do, Julie, to keep from from getting down or defeated over this diagnosis?
2: Oh, gosh, a lot. Um, Yes, it's very easy to get sucked into, you know, this is my destiny. I don't know what to do. I should just stop and, you know, (laughs) let things happen. Um, I I think a couple of things that I do, meditation has helped me a lot and just being okay with how things are. Um, it doesn't mean I have to accept how things are, but I acknowledge how things are. Um, I've incorporated a lot of gratitude into my whole life, and that has helped me a lot just to stay grounded and waking up. And tiny habits has been a big part of this. Um, just thinking about, OK, you know, I'm just thankful that I'm alive today and that will set me off on the right foot and able to do anything, even when I'm feeling down for a certain um day or minute or hour um just becoming aware too of um you know what i am doing and thinking about not destiny not what could happen but aware of my choices in the very moment and really thinking about i'm doing this for my future self I'm doing this to be the best person I can be for the rest of my life when I'm having to make those tough choices. And when I'm not when I'm not wanting to do a certain exercise for what, you know, because it's hard and thinking about, well, I'm doing this not because it's hard or challenging and I want to, but I'm doing it for that future self who doesn't want to be hospitalized um, and taken care of by other people. So. the tiny habits mindset has really helped me a lot to shift my mindset around why I'm doing certain things. So it really sounds
0: like after you have, you're doing something hard, you remind yourself, I'm doing this for my future self. I'm doing this. And you draw yourself to this moment after you feel you're in a challenge or feeling a little bit defeated. It sounds like you then say to yourself, I'm feeling very grateful for the moment I have. And so you've developed a whole host of of habits that are helping you in those moments.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and trust that, like Andrea was saying earlier, it, it's not just snap your fingers and it happens. This has taken years for me to get to this point in my life where I can be okay with this and think about that future self that I'm building towards.
0: You know, uh, you were very uh, Shana, What are you,
1: what are your what are your thoughts? Sorry, um, yeah. Before I lose my uh, train of thought about yeah, mindset, because Julie, <laughs> you brought up something very important, which I just recently started looking at. So there are studies which showed that, you know, uh, when people got to know about their ApoE four status, without even anything else changing, just knowing that they have the high risk gene, either one or both the variations. They performed worse on cognitive tests. Now, first when I read that, I thought, oh, that's that means we should not test for the ApoE4. But then other studies came up which showed that, and you know, this is why it's so huge, because our mindset decides so much of our health. So another study which looked at positive age beliefs. So things like, you know, do I think that you know getting older is horrible and it's just a time of decline? And I don't, it's just my my cognition is going to just get worse and worse. I'm going to keep forgetting more stuff. And there are a whole lot of uh, questions, you know, which can tell us about what our age beliefs are. So those people who had positive age beliefs versus negative age beliefs, and the difference was huge. And all of them with the APOE4 gene, those with positive age belief did not have as many, their risk for dementia was much lower. And I'm thinking, my God, we don't have any treatment for dementias like Alzheimer's. And here is our beliefs, which is free, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. But Julie, I think what you are telling us is you have, uh, you know, one is you probably already had better beliefs about getting older and the APOE4 gene. But all the things that you did would you say that they played a huge role in changing your mindset and i'm sure you don't find that with a lot of you know people you meet right
2: Mm, that's an interesting question um yeah i mean to be honest with you i dreaded getting older now this was 15 years ago, before I knew I had this gene or this genetic combination. Um, And I absolutely dreaded getting older. And I don't look at it that way anymore. I almost see it. I'm embracing getting older. And it's almost like a challenge for me. I'm always up for a challenge. And it's like, how much of my memory, how many memories can I have? What can I remember that I didn't used to be able to remember. So I almost see it like, yeah, like a challenge. Um, you know, how sharp can I stay? Can I remember these numbers um, better than I used to be able to remember them? And what I'm finding, and I've only been doing the the brain exercises and some of these last things that I added in for less than a year now. But I'm finding that I'm mentally sharper than I used to be. I can reflect back. Um, and I see it as a creative challenge to aging instead of dreading aging it's like you know it's like i'm playing a game here how good can i be as i get older instead of what's going to fall off next
1: wow that's a beautiful and, way of framing
0: it <laughs> exactly and that's a that's a great way of framing it how good can you be and i think that the um The hope that you share is really important because there's so many societal, cultural concerns that really say the opposite. And that does not have to be true. Uh, The the healthy aging experts are out there uh, and and examples actually uh, aren't the outliers and, and shouldn't be. So let's talk about genetic testing because you obviously got it. It wasn't the first thing you did but you did get genetic testing. And I know a lot of people out there are afraid to do it for a variety of reasons. Talk about your experience.
2: Yeah. um, Well, as you've probably surmised, I'm a curious person and I like to have lots of data. Um, So getting the test wasn't an issue for me. Now, when I've talked about it with other people and and suggested that that they get it. Um they've mentioned privacy concerns of the data. Well now I believe the majority, maybe all of the companies, they allow you to download the data and then when you make the request, they will erase the data from their databases. So you have a copy of the data, they don't keep it anymore. Um, so privacy concerns and, and you know you sure you can argue you about, well, what are they doing with it? Are they really deleting it? But you do own your data and they will delete the data from their databases. So that's one thing. Um, I wanted to know it because I wanted to be able to um, not defy the system but to be able to um, better manage my health. And not only do I now know about this gene, but some other genes as well that are helping me to, um, like I um, don't get rid of histamine very well. Um, So Mm -hmm. I I know that from my genetic data as well. Um, And so I do things as well to mitigate inflammation in my body, which gets back to the brain health, right? and so there are other things that I've learned where I feel much more able, healthy, younger because of the genetic testing that I've done. So I highly recommend it. I feel I I literally feel like I'm in my 30s and I'm in my 50s. So what would you say
0: to other people who are Maybe, maybe it's not the fear of the data, but maybe it's just the, I don't want to know. I don't want to find out something bad. What would you say to them?
2: I, it's all about mindset. It really is. Like Shabnam was saying earlier, um, just because you have the gene and there are a lot of people, I I don't know about a lot of people, but there are people who have two copies of the, um, of this gene who haven't exhibited Alzheimer's or any other sort of dementia. And yes, there's lifestyle, but a lot of it is around mindset. And if you believe it's gonna happen, it probably is. If you believe that you can do something about it and take agency over your own health, it might not be an issue at all. There's also something too I wanna talk about. I've been um, reading a lot more about blue zones and um, connectivity, which we haven't talked about, and social connection. And that's another thing that I forgot to mention earlier was about at the same time, three years ago, I started um, recreating and creating more social connections where I used to be very isolated. No, I don't need other people. You know, I'm an introvert. I don't want to do that. And connecting with other people and sharing and really getting interested in, in in their lives. I believe that has also helped me to to shift my mindset and feel more connected. And I think that that's also gonna help me um, to remain um, more positive and and also to feel supported um, and to keep that agency over, I can do something about this.
0: Exactly. And the connectivity is such a, bi- a big part that we don't often talk about in terms of our physical health, um, but our mental health and physical health are connected. Shabnam, what would you add to this for people who are afraid to get tested?
1: Okay. So first and foremost, I, I understand why people would be afraid to know because very often people feel that There is nothing I can do. And Julie, you have found out based on your research and the way you live your life that there's so much you can do. And and it's true. There is a lot you can do whether um, uh, if you have one or two variations of the APOE4 gene. But if someone chooses not to get the test done, even though they kind of sort of suspect because they are seeing you know alzheimers in many of their relatives i would say that whether you have the apoe4 gene one or two variations or none or you have the the protective one everyone is at risk for you know dementias like alzheimers so it's not like not knowing my genetic status is going to kind of be protective if I, if i am making sense but on the other hand you know i think it's very important so julie one thing i wanted to ask you uh, what i understood is you got one of these commercially available genetic tests done and is that right correct so when you were getting the test done i think and i got mine done a while ago so i don't remember what the questions were did they ask you whether you want to know about you know any specific genes or would you rather not know
2: Mm. I don't know. Um, but also, like I said, I took my data and I ran it through a couple yeah. of different third
1: party tools. Yeah. So this particular company did not tell you about your Apo E4. Am I right? And we are not going to mention the companies because they are kind that's of that's correct. Similar. That's correct.
2: Yeah, that's correct. Um, okay. I learned about it by running it through the the other the other um Yeah, the there other, are multiple
1: um, other platforms you can put your raw data through. And sometimes it can get very overwhelming. So Julie, uh, considering that you are not in the biological field or a doctor, did you feel that going through that data was very overwhelming without the help of someone sort of guiding you through the process and any of that?
2: Yes. And boy, this opens up a whole can of worms. Um, At that time, though, being the curious person that I am and a learner, instead of reaching out to someone and putting me into their hands, I wanted to learn as much as I could about this so that I could help myself instead of relying on someone else. And reason being curious, yes, but also because I had hit so many dead ends with medical professionals and other health professionals before, where they would just read a script. I mean I say that in quotes um, and not know how to help me. And so I didn't want to have to deal with that frustration and that's why I um, bit the bullet, if you will, and and learned on my own instead of relying on, on someone else to um, to shepherd me through. So and this was a while ago now I think there are more people, more doctors who do know about this, but um, I didn't have someone who could help me.
0: And this really, brings up, it really brings up the importance of either a support system of non-healthcare professionals to buoy you, but also to find the right healthcare professional for you that can support you in the way that you need to be supported. You did it on your own. You toughed it out uh, five stars to you. And um it, it it's great to have someone along the way who cannot just read a script, right? Because they're, everybody needs the support, individual support uh, and guidance they need to walk the path for themselves. Before we wrap, um, Shabnam, I want to get your last thoughts. And then Julie, I want to know exactly what results you might be noticing from all that you've been doing. But Shabnam, what are your last thoughts on Okay. So my last
1: thoughts are, what are some of the things you can do if you have the APOE4 gene? Yeah. One is, as Julie mentioned, uh, the things she is doing, exercise, and this is moderate to high intensity exercise, is extremely important. Another thing that people sometimes miss out on, you mentioned omega-3s, Julie, so fish oil. So fish oils, are uh, they contain omega-3 fatty acids. And uh, for, we can test the levels of omega-3 in blood. It's a simple test available in most places in the world. So normally, for other people, we say a percentage of eight percent of omega-3 fatty acids is fine. But for people with the ApoE4 gene, one or two variations, the percentage should be ten percent. And you won't know that unless you test. There are no symptoms of, uh, you know, <laughs> omega-3 fatty acid deficiency as such. That is a test I highly recommend. Then. B vitamins and a blood test called homocysteine, vitamin D, and maybe Andrea and I will go into detail over all of those. So one thing to to, episode on
0: this. Yeah. <laughs> no. So
1: one thing I wanted to mention because Julie, you're a woman, you have the ApoE4 gene. So we know that women are at a, in general, with with or without the ApoE4 gene, are at a higher risk for Alzheimer's, and a lot of it has to do with what goes on during menopause. So during the menopausal transition. Our brain, you know, fueling system changes. So, women with ApoE4 plus going through the menopausal transition, hormone therapy, particularly using estrogens on the skin, and we talked about hormone therapy elsewhere, that is extremely important. That has shown benefits. Another thing is, you know, if someone knows they have the ApoE4 gene, the choice of kind of sports they they indulge in. So avoiding head trauma is another extremely important factor. Head trauma is a high risk for uh, dementia down the line, regardless of your genetic status. But when you have a higher risk gene, obviously the things you do have to be a little bit more intense and i think as you know in the tiny habits method and this is a unique way of being able to help people do more difficult things as julie you explained so beautifully doing the more difficult brain tests you didn't do that overnight so those are the things i wanted to mention and julie what you said is so true most doctors and even neurologists unless they have actually decided to train themselves in it don't know how to prevent a certain condition whether it is alzheimer's whether it is you know heart disease or stroke or anything preventive medicine is is not the <laughs> knowledge that we have is not universal so unless i had decided to actually look at all this and read and study i wouldn't have known either so yeah you're right when you say that they don't get the support that they need from their doctor and i think as physicians we have to become a little more humble in asking you know, I don't know about this because it's humanly impossible to, for everyone to know everything. So what I start off now is, so I ask patients, you know, so what have you found out in your research so far? (laughs) That's a different conversation than one, what I used to have years ago. Okay. This is what you need to do.
0: (laughs) Excellent. So Julie, tell us, leave us on a a hopeful i think this whole thing has been hopeful but leave us on a hopeful end because i know you said you feel like you're in in your 30s talk to us specifically about about how you feel because these are benefits from everything that you've you've been taking action on from not knowing to knowing and uh, actually changing your behavior for the long for the long term
2: oh gosh yeah physically they're the mental benefits that i've recognized for sure but Mentally I've changed so much. Um and I believe it all is a result of knowing this. Um in that I feel like I have a new power, a new agency over the direction of my life. And with that, I feel like I have hope and it gives me the ability to have empathy and hopefully to help other people who have either this genetic combination or other genetic combinations and really work with them to let them know that they do have maybe not control but but agency over their future direction
0: and uh, the, if you've been listening for any period of time at all you know that we're all about agency over what you can do and and then letting the rest Uh, not get you down, not be overwhelmed. We've talked a lot about mindset on this. And really the message here is that genes do not determine your destiny. There is plenty of evidence that you do have agency over many of the factors that determine your brain health as you age, including even if you have one of these APOE4 genes or, uh, or a couple of the genetic combinations. Thank you, Julie, for, for sharing your personal story of, uh, hope and action uh, and thank you everyone for listening you can reach out to julie at julie at juliebergfeld.com please uh, subscribe and share the episode you can find all the podcasts at dr slash podcast that's d-r-k-a-r-m-d.com slash podcast and check out the show notes for any extra information cheers everyone